This is the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. Alaska Airlines Frequent Flyer Program partners with points to sell mileage plan miles to its members. Frequent bonuses and discount offers are great incentives to buy miles. So get started by clicking the link in my show notes. I have flown Alaska Airlines so many times. I I went to University of Oregon. That was the airline of choice because I had to get to Eugene. So click on the link in my show notes to learn more about how you can utilize those frequent flyer program partners with points. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. Follow on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. You can listen to the podcast live on Fireside and learn about upcoming course announcements, coaching programs, working one-on-one with Sandra, and new template releases by visiting collegeofstyle.com. Join Sandra on TikTok, Pinterest, and Twitter at College of Style today. Hi, I'm Sandra, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Pipes with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, asides from my entertainment career, and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hello there. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 52 of the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. I am your host, Dr. Sandra Colt-Medici, and today we are talking about online course creation 101. I am breaking it down for you in this episode recorded live on Fireside, so stay tuned. College of Style is ready with a great shopping experience for you this holiday season. And better yet, to say thank you for shopping my store, use the discount code HELLO15 to get 15% off of your first order. Visit shopcollegeofstyle.com and type in HELLO15 at checkout. And then tag me on socials and let me know how you like your purchase. One of the best things that you can do for your brand is create your own language. And that means coming up with terminology that really becomes something that you're known for. Have that permeate into other parts of pop culture, of society. Think about the platform of Pinterest and how it is a visual search engine, right? But the pinning of comments on Instagram or the pinning of TikTok videos to the top of your profile has become an actual thing. It's an actual term people are using that other social media platforms are putting into their user experience. So the language of Pinterest has now become pinning on other platforms. Think about that as you move forward with all of your brand lingo, your brand identity, and how you tell your brand story. If you're looking to refresh your website, look no further than Squarespace. My personal website is currently on Squarespace. If you visit sandracoltamedici.com, you'll see it there, and I absolutely love it. Squarespace empowers millions of people from individuals and local artists to entrepreneurs shaping the world's most iconic businesses to share their stories and create an impactful, stylish, and easy to manage online presence. And now they offer Squarespace scheduling. So check out the link in my show notes to learn more. Love curriculum design. And a lot of times people think, you know, when it comes to creating your own course, that it has to be, you know, eight 
modules, 16 modules, like this super intensive thing. Um, but when I help people create their own course, it could be a masterclass. It could be a workshop. It could be a three-day retreat that people are trying to create. And a lot of times the overwhelm that people experience is that they think that their course has to be really, really long and that they have to put every single piece of um, information that they know inside of a course or that they won't have the authority to teach a course. I think that those are the kind of the two things that I hear all the time. Number one, uh, I want to put everything into, that I have into the course and then they never release the course because they're never done putting all the information that they know into it. Or they don't think that people will take the course from them because they have kind of a limiting belief that they don't have the authority to teach the course or that they are not considered an expert in their field. So I wanted to go over kind of the online course creation 101. Some of the things that I like to talk about when it comes to the basics and beginning stages of creating a course is really figuring out what you wanna talk about when you're teaching, because a lot of times we we try to sit in front of a computer screen or we try to write it out on a piece of paper and we don't really have this similar way of teaching the way that we write, right? So if you can talk about your course, I love having people sit down and literally just having a conversation, just like right now, you know, just having a conversation about the topic that they want to cover because it's really hard. Sometimes people will go through the entire course creation process and create all of these modules and create all this stunning, amazing artwork to go with it. And then they go to teach the class and they have to create brand new structure for how they're going to actually teach the class. And so I like to have people talk about what they're going to teach and actually maybe even do some trial teaching to see exactly how they would normally flow. Because the normal flow in which you actually go through your teaching your course is really helpful to actually the creating of the course. Because if you talk about it, then you actually can sit, you can go back, if you record yourself talking, go back and be like, okay, that's point one, that's point two, that's point three. Do I need to break out those points into one specific segment? Does it have to be its own module or can it be the entire course, right? So a lot of times I feel like it's easier to talk about what you want to teach because then it will help you when you're going to teach the course because I found so many people have created this course and then they have to go back and recreate the wheel because they don't teach like that. And the other thing is I see that a lot of uh, course creators don't necessarily consider themselves teachers. And that's okay because if you're an online course creator, that doesn't mean that you actually have to teach your course. I've seen a lot of different entities pop up where they are literally just creating courses to license to other people. And so there's another kind of marketplace for course creation than just being the course creator that actually teaches the course or the course creator that, that creates the course for other people to either license the course and teach it or for you to go in as your own separate entity and work with big corporations and teach your course to different organizations. I've seen that before as well. So you don't necessarily have to keep yourself pigeonholed into a box of, I created my course, now I'm going to teach it. 
It could be that you've created your course and now you license it or you create your course and now you have utilized it as a, a tool to get into bigger organizations and use it as a speakers bureau tool. There are a lot of ways to utilize your course and create a lot of different opportunity for yourself. When I think about the actual creation of the course, the platform really matters um, when you are looking to create a course that's going to have information that people will learn and retain and be able to actually implement into their businesses. There's a lot of people that I talk to when they want to go create their course and then they get into this like, I need to find the right platform to put my course on. And then they stop creating because then it's about, oh, I need to learn the platform or this platform doesn't do what I want. All of those different things will come up as roadblocks for them instead of literally just getting into the course creation. And I love that people want to be able to figure out how to distribute a course, but the actual course creation is the biggest thing. When you think about how to create a course, the bigger part of it is making sure that you're creating something that people want making sure that you create something that people need, that you're providing a solution to maybe a gap in the marketplace. So that's really the bigger objective is to validate your course before you actually put the time and energy and money into creating videos and different kinds of workbooks and things that go along with a course is making sure that your idea is validated because you don't want to go into course creation just blindsided at the end of the day where nobody wants to buy your course, nobody wants to attend your course. People are like, that's really pretty, <laughs> but, but they are not excited to take it or to implement some of your frameworks or you know, systems into their life. When I created my course, it's called Course Sweetener. It is eight modules and I actually videoed the entire thing in the middle of the night because I have two little girls. A lot of times when you have a lot of distractions, whether it's personal, financial, familial, whatever it is, it's really hard to set aside the time to actually create your course. And so I ended up filming all of my videos in the middle of the night and people say done is better than perfect. And I definitely agree. So one of the online course creation 101 um, things that I wanted to talk about today is getting it done and getting it out there and getting it seen. Because when we put things into boxes, it's great to you know, really have a, a sense of where we're going, but it's also good to really understand how we're getting there. And the process of creating your course, it's one of those journeys that I've never been on before. I mean, I've taken a lot of online courses. I, I got my master's and my doctorate via online programming that was hybrid at, at points, but mostly online. So I understand how it is to be a consumer of online courses. But when you look at them, just on its face. A lot of people forget about the design and the user experience side of things. They want to get so much information out of their head. And so it's just kind of like this brain dump into fire pit. <laughs> and it doesn't end up being this really user-friendly experience. So when I look at really starting modules out, I look at how would I as a user want to consume this information? Would I want to be welcomed into a course or a workshop or a masterclass? Yes. Would I like to be guided 
through this experience. Yes, I want someone to tell me, this is your first step, this is your second step, this is your third step. But really be able to get you from point A to point B in a very streamlined manner so that you're not feeling like, oh, the documents are hidden. Oh, I have to get out of one system and go to another. But some of the easiest things to do if you're starting your first course are make it simple on yourself. And that means get a Zoom link and start your course live. Instead of trying to automate everything right away, just validate your course by creating a one-day workshop and inviting people who you think in your contacts would really benefit from it so that you can test it out instead of putting all of your resources into creating a course that no one's ever gonna take, right? And the Zoom link is just easier because live feedback is so valuable. You know, as someone who's super into analytics and research and metrics and all that and making sure that things matter, it's great to have live feedback because you can tweak it in real time. You can ask questions and say, what would you like to learn more about? And then really pivot to that and lean heavily into what people want to know more about. If you don't do that kind of test at the beginning and you you really just create a course with no knowledge of what people want then it's really just about what you want and you can take your course over and over just for yourself <laughs> but it's not going to be able to monetize it in a way where it's going to let you be able to have financial freedom and be able to work from wherever the online education industry they're headed to make six billion or I think it's $6 billion by like 2025, something ridiculous. And so if you're trying to create an online course, now's the time to get in if you weren't already in, right? Because people obviously through 2020 and now in 2021 are not going back to what we were used to doing. The online education platforms, as you see with Google certifications and things like that, they're about to be probably putting some of the, some of the universities out of business, right? If you have an idea that you are tinkering with, now's the time to get in it. And the reason that I think it really doesn't matter if it's a workshop or a masterclass or an eight module course is because they all have the same kind of structure. You want to give a user experience that people want to come back for. And you want to help people get through this experience without finding themselves without support. And so when you create a course, I always find that I want to make a course that incorporates a support mechanism that has examples that help people really get to the next place because they can see it. The other thing that I think is really important are making things accessible. And so when I've created my courses, I've created them with video that have captions on them. I've created them in a text option and I've created them in a downloadable audio option as well. And so it's really important so that we are utilizing all of the technological advances that we have to service all of the people and not just some of the people, right? Because you don't want to ignore people who obviously could be part of your target market and help all of the demographic that, you know, is really in your target demographic. So I think that those accessibility things are really important because even if you are someone who is able to see, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a visual learner. If you are someone who appreciates podcasting, right? That doesn't mean that you want to take a course that is audio only. I emphasize bringing that element into what we're doing because it's very important to have all of the aspects incorporated in your curriculum design, just in case somebody is 
in a meeting but wants to watch your video or is able to have it on in the car as they drive cross country. Thank you, Kevin, for joining me. Hi, Sandra. Thanks for uh, inviting me up. What an amazing conversation. What an amazing topic. Uh, I hope you can hear me okay because I'm, I'm just out in the garden, so I hope you yeah. can hear me okay. So what I wanted to ask, fascinating subject. <laughs> I don't even know really where to start on this, but I'm a person with lived experience with autism, so I'm not an academic. If I wanted to teach autism, I'm not, you know, sort of qualified to teach because I'm not an academic. I haven't got a honours degree or anything like that. Uh, a doctorate in autism or anything like that but I've got 46 years lived experience of autism and I think sometimes people who have the condition which I would say are the, ex are the experts if that makes any sense because they live with it 24-7 and they know so much about it so I'm not I'm not dismissing people who are academics or doctors or lecturers who talk about autism and teach autism uh, you know as a as a module or, or as an qualification but I was interesting to listen to your conversation I was wondering say for example if I was going to do a master class in autism because I'm a kind of person I'm a, I'm a visual learner I don't like uh, I'll give you an example Many, many years ago, I applied for a, a course and it was a course basically on autism and it was a, a course to get a what was called a higher educational uh, degree in autism. Mm -hmm. uh, and I applied for Birmingham University in the, U in the UK and I got accepted. And when all the information came through to me, all the modules and all the books and all the information, I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, I just cannot do this. I cannot do this. Why? Because it stressed me out. Because I'm a visual learner. I, I'm, a, I'm a doer. I do things visually. I don't like doing assignments. I don't like doing modules. I don't like doing exams. I don't like targets. I don't like deadlines. I find it really stressful. So what you were just saying about, you know, doing like a Zoom one day workshop and talking to people, I would find that a lot, lot better. But what I wanted to ask, say if I did a masterclass on autism, how would that, how would people take me seriously? And secondly, how would that look like? And thirdly, how does that become sort of accredited? Well, so I would say this, I people take you seriously because you are an expert in your field. So if you have the experience because you've lived it, then you don't need a degree to teach what you know. And I think that's what a lot of times people think. That's what I was talking about before is that you only need more, a little bit more, you know, knowledge or experience than the people that you're teaching for them to learn something. If you are approaching a subject that you have lived your entire well, that, life. I suppose that's sorry to interrupt, but I suppose I don't know. I see that quite difficult in some respects because I've seen some people in the UK who are, say, for example, I'll give you an example. I won't mention names, but an autistic woman who can speak very well and very articulate. She rolled out her her own course, like a week's course on autism, and she got targeted. She got bullied. She got harassed 
even by academics who were saying she shouldn't be teaching this because she's not, she's not qualified to teach. Mm. But she, what, in your opinion, was she qualified to teach? Well, she's lived experience. She's a person with autism who lives it day in, day out. Mm-hmm. I think that um, everyone is going to experience something online. <laughs> um, and, and so that's not anything new. What I would say is, um, you know, for that particular experience, it's, it's difficult to, to have people call you out for what they think is your inability to communicate your life experience. But I think that that happens on a daily basis. Um, I have a, you know, a, an ed- education and I went to, you know, USC and I got my doctorate and people respect certain titles and certain letters behind your name. But I also have 30 years of experience in the entertainment industry and I don't have any letters behind my name for that. I just have a resume filled with different credits. So I could go into that specific industry and say, I want to teach you about film production. And because I've never produced a film that way, I think it might be difficult for someone to say, you're not a film producer, but it's not going to hurt my feelings if I've, you know, taken enough courses and, and built up my resume to be able to teach on a specific subject. I think that the authority piece of being a teacher is difficult for a lot of people to negotiate with themselves. I I wouldn't worry about what other people think of your background and being able to teach. If you are solid in your foundation, knowing what you know about the topic, then I really think that it's about, sometimes people want social proof. Sometimes people want that, oh, I took his class and it was amazing. Oh, I learned so much from him, you should take it too. Sometimes people need that. And so that's why doing that Um, validation workshop is really important so that you have the social proof that people want to see so that people go, oh, well, he's taught it 13 times and look at all of these people who have benefited from it. So I think that that once you start doing that, it's just a matter of time before people go, oh, he is qualified to do that and, and start telling you that you're qualified, even though you already know that you're qualified. But I think that living in that Space of already being really confident in knowing what you know is yeah. very important. So, so my background is uh, the charity sector. So I've been uh, a CEO and uh, a founder of two charities for 20 years. Prior to that, my background was sales. I worked in sales for a number <laughs> of years. But I was just wondering, you know, if I wanted to roll a course out, say a workshop, because I'm a, a visual learner, and a visual mm-hmm. storyteller, would it be best for me to do that visually rather than people filling in like assignments and modules, etc.? I think that if you are making it for your target market and your target market does not like the things that you don't like, <laughs> then yes. But I always think that when you're creating something that has to do with, um, like when you're doing your curriculum design, I always think that it's great to have a takeaway. So if that takeaway is another experience, then great. Because you always want people to feel like they're getting something other than the class. Because, you know, that's why a lot of people create programs that have a video and a workbook and a this and a that that go along with it. Because 
they might learn a little bit differently than you. So it's great to have you know, your opinion on how you learn, but people are deaf. People are all different. You know what I mean? So, so because you learn one way, doesn't mean that everybody learns that same way. Now, if you're targeting that specific market and you say, this is for the visual learners, this, this class is for visual learners about this topic, then yes, cater it to that specific audience. But if you are trying to broaden it a little bit more, I wouldn't just be that specific just because maybe you're a visual learner has has an off day and can't you know get their glasses or whatever like I think that there's always something to be thought about in that way because um, you want to um, incorporate sometimes people have a quiz at the beginning of their course to know how people like to learn and that's always a, a benefit for the course creator to know okay well this is how the majority of my students learn. So I'm going to make sure that I cater the materials to how they process the information. So, so it's basically all- they could they could go away with something like the visual from the Zoom meeting and probably a like PowerPoint presentation as well. So they've got like a like a hard copy of PowerPoint. Yes. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So if you have a, a one day workshop and it's on Zoom, you can send them an email afterward. How do you get a course accredited well so that's a little bit different so um or does it or does it, or does it need to be accredited so it depends on what you're trying to do with the course so if you are trying to teach at a university level then i would go through those channels to see if you know you can be an adjunct professor or if you're trying to create your own course and then get it accredited accredited by like um here in the States, it would be like WASC or, you know, something like that, where like it would be accredited by the same bodies that a four-year institution would be accredited by. That takes a lot longer because you have to go through the process of having the accrediting body audit basically your classes and you have to have them running and have a certain amount of students in them for a certain period of time. So it really depends. There are different online accreditation uh, organizations. I think I have a list, but it's definitely a process that takes, I think, at least five years. So if you're trying to do something that is accredited by the same institu- by the same bodies that do that for institutions like colleges and universities, it takes like five years. If you are doing something for like the online course accreditation organizations, I think it's in the near, I think you have to have the course running for at least a year before you can have it accredited. But it is definitely a process that you go through, which is why a lot of times people do not accredit their courses. Number one, because they don't need it to sell it because they have that social proof. Like I told you, they have the the testimonials. They have people who've said, i took this course and I was instantly smarter or whatever. Or if it's like a financial course, I took this course and I implemented their strategies and I made $10,000. So they have that social proof, which is what they're utilizing instead of having the accreditation. Because even if you have, like I went to USC and they are accredited, right? But they don't guarantee that I'm going to get a job. So even though they have accreditation and the, the materials are validated by this accreditation. That doesn't mean that when I graduated that that I'm going to get a job with the knowledge that I know, right? It exactly, does. exactly, because I've got friends who've been in university and can't get jobs. 
Right, exactly. So, so if you go through um, the, the, the whole rigmarole of getting your, your course accredited, um, yes, you'll have that stamp of approval and maybe that helps you sell your course more. But in the meantime, you still have to go through that like three to five years of getting your course accredited. And in that three to five years, you get all that social proof that you need anyway. So it really just depends on what you want for your course. I know that there's different organizations, you know, like LinkedIn Learning. Um, I'm not sure if they're accredited, but it's through an organization that is respected so you know it, it really just depends right yeah sure yeah thanks <laughs> for that no yeah it's been really helpful well i'm glad that's helpful there's a lot of times just in course creation where you can kind of get wrapped up in in the end product instead of trying to figure out what's really going to solve someone's problem from the beginning when you're when you're beginning that creation stage um you know i think that don't focus on the end of i want it to be accredited i think validating it with people who are filling the seats is the first start because that's where you're going to get all of the ending proof that you need that your course works and it is valuable and, you know, it will gain traction for you to start talking about it on other people's podcasts and things like that. But I hope that helps. Does that help? No, yeah, that, that helps. No, that's fantastic. That's the reason why I jumped in because I just thought the uh, topic was really fascinating. And no, thank you for sharing that with me. Well, so there's just a few other things that I wanted to cover about starting an online course. Now, I talked about <laughs> picking a course topic that makes sense and is something that's going to fill a gap because there's plenty of people talking about the same topics, but how are you going to make your topic unique from your own perspective and really figuring out who you're going to serve, right? So you want to make sure that like we were talking about with Kevin is, you know, the target audience is crucial to make sure that you have validated your course and that your course is going to um, resonate with your target audience. The other is understanding what your structure is. And what we were just talking about just now was a workshop versus maybe a three-day uh, summit or retreat. And so it's very important to think about the structure of how you're building out your course. And so if you think about how you're structuring things, it goes back to that user experience. How do you want the user to feel that your, your core ideal, you know, customer avatar, whatever you're going to name it, how do you want them to feel throughout your course, right? Because people who create courses are probably some people that you know, or even you yourself, who have wanted to do it for a long time, have seen other people do it, are like, I could do that, completely do that, or you're so ready, you just need somebody to just pull it out of you, right? And so it's about structuring it so that people feel like they can get to the goal incrementally without feeling overwhelmed. And it's having that balance when you structure your course so that people feel like they're getting the information, they're having a takeaway, and they're able to implement it with support. And the support comes because you are giving them all the tools that they need to actually create whatever it is that they're supposed to do or implement whatever framework or structure or system that you're detailing for them. But then at the other side of the structure is making sure that your knowledge is not 
hindered by your teaching style, right? And that that whole teaching aspect is a whole other animal in figuring out how you are teaching the topic versus just the structure that you've put into it. And I find that a lot of times we we are now all going live on either like Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, Instagram Live, YouTube Live, like everybody has a live platform. Even Pinterest Live went Pinterest Live went, went live um, a few days ago. And the opportunity to speak on camera has just boomed in the last year because we all want to see everybody's faces. We all want to see everyone and we need and are craving that kind of connection. And now that we're about to go offline a little bit because real life is coming back, whatever that means to you, I think that the ability to stand out online is the optimum time because so many people will jump offline right now. And it's the consistent people who are in your face every single day, you get the notification, so-and-so is live. I think that that's really important in pulling people into your community so that you can service them wherever they live. And when you have this online course, it's the same thing. If you're going live, it's very important to have a structure in place so that they know, okay, today we're going to learn this and I'll be able to do this at the end. It's also important to be able to teach what you know. Now, it's a lot of people are smart <laughs> and they have a lot of knowledge, but in order to be able to teach what you know is a definite skill. And so if you have, it's great to be able to lead people in a business. It's also important to be able to listen while you're teaching. And the listening factor is really about finding where people have tuned you out and being able to pick them right back up so that they have rejoined the conversation because there are so many distractions from notifications on your desktop to notifications on your phone to your life happening around you to tripping while you're walking in and drinking coffee like all of those things are happening while people are consuming your content and so being able to be a great teacher of what the content that you have created is just as important as creating a good course. So making sure that you have practiced what you have what you want to say, making sure that if you have a live audience like right now that you are prepared for what you're going to be talking about, if you are doing a recorded piece of your online program that you have scripted parts of it and that you have given yourself some sort of breathing room to be yourself. There are different elements of that that I think that are very important to course creation that a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to create a course and I'm just going to put it up. And then people forget, like, you have to teach it. <laughs> you have to teach it somehow. And even if that is a pre-recorded training, you still have to map that out so that you don't remove yourself from the course. Because a lot of times I feel like people remove their authenticity. They remove who their, their true self is because they want to get the information out. And it's great to get the information out, but your uniqueness is the reason that people probably gravitated to your course in the first place. So you don't want to take the you out of your online course. You want to make sure that you put more of that in there so that people stick with you, whether it's a live training or it's a pre-recorded piece of content.
So the other thing that I wanted to talk about, you know, starting an, an online course and really creating something that is sustainable, that is can make evergreen or that really is engaging is making sure that after you have created the course, that you have people take it before you sell it. <laughs> and I know that that's really hard to think about. Making sure that you are getting your stuff seen and reviewed and get that feedback because you might have thought, oh my gosh, you know, I put everything into my course. And then somebody that you know takes your course and is like, hey, I thought you were going to talk about this. And you're like, oh, boom, needed to put that in. Or, oh, you know, I took it out because of whatever. But it's great to have that initial feedback so that you are putting the bow on it, right? So that you aren't just putting it out without having that just, you know, that one fine tooth comb of spell check. <laughs> like for me, I'm all about the grammar, right? So it's very important to have that kind of, initial review. And a lot of people say, you know, just put it out. It's fine. Just put it out. And I get that, that kind of idea of getting it out, even, even if it's not fully perfect, but it's important to have one fine tooth comb go through it before you put it out, just because you want to make sure that all the links work. You want to make sure that every download actually gets to people's emails. You want to make sure that every video plays without a hiccup because you don't want the reviews to come in like, oh, it was great information, but I couldn't download it. I had to get support to help me. You want to make sure that the, the things that you can control are easily fixed before you put it out. And sometimes that comes down to technology and maybe people who create courses aren't always the most technologically savvy. And so you're relying on the platforms that you're using, whether it's like Kajabi or Thinkific or New Zendler or whatever it is that you're using as your platform. A lot of people forget that you can use your own website as a platform for, you know, to host your online course, or you can simply create a workshop or a training and just have a one page that you put on your website about it, you know, your sales landing page that literally just says what it's about and then have a link to a Zoom. So it's it doesn't have to be as complicated as a lot of people think it needs to be. If you're getting into course creation where you're selling programs, then yes, it makes sense to have it housed in a platform like a Kajabi or a Thinkific or a New Zendler or something like that, where you get the tools that people have designed to help navigate the back end of a course and the selling of a course and monetization of a course. But it doesn't always have to be that technical to just get started. So what I wanted to end with today, if you are a new course creator and have never even stepped foot into this arena, I encourage you to do so because it is not going away. The online education industry is booming and this is the time to get in it. And if you have an idea, you need to act on it because there's so many times with College of Style, which is my business, I created College of Style as an idea in 2017 and I did not act on it until 2021. So I know there's plenty of people out there that are just like me who have ideas upon ideas upon ideas who have not taken the chance on themselves to just do it. People are pivoting right now to do what they've always wanted to do because why not? This is 
an amazing time. Remote work is now normalized um, and celebrated. And people are pursuing their passions to the fullest and getting into that thinking, that mindset shift of being able to do what you want from wherever you want, just as long as you can find a Wi-Fi connection or automate your course, that's an amazing thing. So feel free to send it out to your network as well. I really appreciate you and have a really great holiday weekend. Yay! <laughs> Is your business not connecting or converting your followers online? Book your brand audit today by visiting collegeofstyle.link forward slash brand audit. I look forward to working with you to move the needle on your business and jumpstart your 2022 with strategic messaging and up-leveled visual branding. Click the link and I'll talk to you soon. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra, make sure to send an email to info at sandracoltamedici.com. Include in the subject line, be a sponsor.